0: Most of the time, I like to go somewhere, but I'm not real fond of getting there. Some people I know seem to enjoy the time it takes to get somewhere as much as they do actually arriving at the destination itself. They say things like, it's about the journey, not just the destination. Well, on today's podcast, we learn more about the furnishings of the tabernacle. But as we'll see, it's not just about where we're going, but about how we get there that is important when it comes to this furniture. For they represent to us specific points on our salvation journey that can not only give us a deeper understanding of their purpose, but of the tabernacle and our role as priests in it. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 30 today, and I'm really referencing the entire chapter. So I encourage you to read the chapter for yourself, prior to diving into the study with me today. Exodus 30 gives us more instructions regarding the furniture that is found within the sanctuary tabernacle. This was to be the place of God's dwelling among his people. And though they had sinned, God longed to be with his covenant people. So he devised and constructed the tabernacle that would accommodate his presence with them without compromising his holiness in the process. This design involved an outer room, known as the holy place, where the priest would interact with God as a mediator through the sacrificial system that God had implemented. In doing this, the sins of the people would be forgiven. God would symbolically dwell behind the veil, above the Ark of the Covenant. In doing this, He would lead His people through the desert to the homeland that He had promised for them. He would dwell with His people, though in a divided sense, due to their sin. Those sins would be atoned for through a means of sacrifice that would temporarily forgive their iniquity and enable them to stay in a right relationship with the God who longed to be with them. All of this, of course, points to Jesus, who is the mediator between God and man, the one who came to tabernacle with us, as John said. He would be the one who would bear the sins of the people on his own shoulders and carry it to the altar, and himself become the lamb slain to atone for the sins of the people. After his death and resurrection, as our great high priest, he would ascend into the heavenly tabernacle and there sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat. In doing this, he would atone for, once and for all, our sins as our substitute. All of this remarkable imagery is embedded into God's storyline hundreds of years before any of its fulfillment. And in doing this, God shows his forethought, wisdom, grace, and power years in advance and foreshadows the coming fullness of redemption promised to his people. Exodus 30 gives us five significant sections regarding the altar each with its own unique significance. They are the incense altar, the atonement ransom, the bronze basin, the anointing oil, and the sacred incense itself. The first of these is the altar of incense. In the morning and the evening, the priest approached this altar of incense and burned this fragrance before the Lord. Now, at the end of the chapter, we would learn that this is a sweet-smelling savor to God made of proprietary ingredients to be used only for this purpose. This was to perpetually burn morning and evening throughout their generations. There was never a time where this altar was to go out. The second section involved the census of the people and the ransom paid for their lives. Remember that God had redeemed their very lives from the death angel in Egypt. As such, their lives quite literally belonged to him. He had delivered them from the judgment of God upon their sin, and they owed him their lives. As such, each man was to pay a half shekel every time a census was taken. Wealthy people could give no more, and poor people could give no less. The atonement price provided was used for the needs of the tent of meeting. It was to remind the people, according to verse 16, that the Lord had atoned for their lives. These sacrifices daily in the tabernacle were bearing the wrath of God on their sin, and their lives had been atoned for as a result of these sacrifices. Therefore, they were the ransom price of God's people, and their lives were spared because of that sacrifice, and paying the small tax to the tabernacle was a reminder that their lives had been spared, and they owed their allegiance and their livelihood to this sacrifice. The third section was the bronze basin. This basin was the place of cleansing for the priest. It would be here that the priests were to wash their hands and feet before approaching the tent of meeting so that they would not die because of their sin. They had to be washed clean before they could come to the Lord. The fourth section mentioned was the anointing oil. This oil was again a proprietary blend used for this specific purpose to set apart these priests, their clothing, the instruments, and the furniture for this purpose. They had been set apart to do this work. The oil reminded them that their lives served an essential purpose in God's plan for His people. They alone were the mediators who entered the presence of God, and this work was critically important. They were consecrated or made holy through the anointing of oil set apart for this purpose. This oil was set, used for the public declaration of the setting aside of these priests and the instruments and furniture for this remarkable work. The final piece mentioned here is the incense itself. The incense burned on the altar was a blend of spices and frankincense. It was pure and unadulterated, ground into a fine powder and placed directly in front of the tent of meeting. It was set apart for this purpose, and they were not to use it for themselves, but only in the presence of God. The chapter ends with a warning that if someone makes something like this incense for themselves, they would be cut off from the people, excommunicated permanently from the camp. Now, all of this has special significance in our lives worth considering today. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The best manuscripts actually call us a kingdom of priests. What this means for us is as we think about entering God's presence ourselves, it is particularly important that we be clean. The book of Revelation gives us the scene in the heavenly tabernacle, and the Bible tells us the incense represents the prayers of the saints. These prayers, like the incense, are offered up perpetually from generation to generation, morning and evening of every day. And in a dramatic scene in Revelation chapter 8, the Bible tells us that the angel stands before the altar in heaven with the censer of incense representative of the prayer of the saints throughout the ages, and he hurls them to the earth, setting off the seven trumpet judgments. Think of it, all the cries for justice throughout all the ages, prayers prayed in faith before God's throne, are in a moment answered as God pours out his wrath on a sin-cursed world of injustice. Our prayers do indeed make a difference. God says that he stores up our tears in a bottle for the day of judgment. He hears our prayers offered up daily. So why would we not pray to him every morning and evening? Why would we not perpetually offer up our prayers in the presence of his sanctuary? Our prayers enter before the Lord's sanctuary before we do. We have a privilege of entering that sanctuary now through our prayers. The second section again reminds us of our atonement. You see, it is only because of the sacrifice of Jesus that our prayers are even allowed in God's throne room. We have been given access through the merit of our sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ. Whereas those sacrifices merely temporarily appeased God's wrath on sin, Jesus' sacrifice satisfied it for good. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 tells us. What was good only temporarily through a physical lamb without blemish would be good eternally by our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. Our lives now are a reasonable sacrifice given in appreciation for what God has done for us. Like the half shekel, it is a small token but it still reminds us of what the Passover lamb has done for us. Our reasonable service now is to give our lives in appreciation for such a sacrifice offered on our behalf. The basin again reminds us not only of Jesus swallowing up the Father's wrath on our sin, but the washing of our lives to be clean of that sin. We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, The prophet reminds us, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Jesus has not only taken the wrath for our sin in his sacrifice, but he has immersed us in the cleansing fountain that washes away the grime and guilt of the sin of our lives. This is what baptism signifies. It symbolically washes away the stain of the old man and raises us to walk in the newness of life Clean before the Lord. But not only has Jesus taken the punishment for our sin at the altar, and not only has he forgiven us of that sin and cleansed us at the basin, but he has also given our lives a specific and definitive purpose. We have now been made holy, sanctified, and set apart for the purpose of communion with God. As a kingdom of priests, God has set us apart from the things of this world. He has rearranged our priorities in such a way that we have been invited to commune with God himself. This is our life's new purpose. We are to be done with the temporal world and the things that it chases after and instead pursue eternal intimacy with God as our highest purpose. For God has redeemed our lives and he has anointed us with holiness, set us apart for this sanctified purpose namely to have fellowship with him. The final piece of this chapter centers on incense. This incense, as we have already seen, signifies the prayers of the saints. So now as redeemed, forgiven, washed clean, and anointed with the holiness of God, we have been invited into God's presence in prayer to commune with him. We have been made clean and urged to stand in his presence and to be with him. What a glorious privilege. God, you have truly made us a kingdom of priests, a people for whose sins the Lamb of God has atoned. You have washed us in your blood and made us clean. You have forgiven us and invited us into your presence. You have redeemed our lives from the priorities of this life and invited us into your company and anointed us for this specific purpose. Now through our prayers, we offer incense before the Lord. We worship you in the beauty of your holiness. You have given us access behind the veil. You have invited us into your presence in prayer. So may we be done with the affairs of this life. And may our attentions and our affections be captivated by the glorious vision of you. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.